You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Did you see the new ref jerseys that they're wearing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? You don't want one? Well, yeah, I want one. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John Fraser. I'm actually part Canadian. No dude to it. Who wants to draft me? Love me a rouge. And Travis Curra. Man, if they go with Sanceri over Brett Smith, then nothing has changed in Saskatchewan. We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Uh, what do you call it? You're supposed to do the thing where you talk and you pretend like... <laughs> You're the like interview? In- interested in the thing, but you just the need interview. the money. Yeah, 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 the, the inner blue. Can't forget the nonsense. I thought you should know I ate two carrot muffins as you were drunk, Jim Barker. Ready, set, hut. Welcome to episode 69 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I got my first real six string. Don't lie to me. You sang along with it. It's Travis Curra, Brazilian Ty, joining me this week. Man, how good is it to have football back? It is the best. Maybe not for my bank account or my liver, <laughs> but my free time is monopolized now. <laughs> I don't think I could have imagined or wrote the script for a better week one. Like Everything was incredible. The, the first game... The Owls win off of a missed field goal from Tyler Crepinha. And then the Friday night football game, Calgary-Ottawa, is a tie. Then then the Eskimos beat the Lions on that crazy last-minute play after a missed field goal from Tyler Long, and they win by a field goal. And then uh, Argos surprise absolutely everyone. Now, I ask you this. It's easy to overreact to week one, but... Expectations? Anything that you kind of wish you took back from our predictions? That Hamilton wouldn't score points, or that Toronto wouldn't score points. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. No, I know it's anybody, one game. Anybody who says they saw that coming is full of crap. The, uh, exactly. I know it's week one, but a lot of people had them finishing last in the East. Are you overreacting to that? Or are you staying with that? I'm staying with it. You are? Ricky Race, 37 years old. I know quarterbacks, they can be older as long as they've got a good old line. He does have Mark Tressman, uh head coaching now, but I, that, that's not sustainable. There's no way. It's going to be a return to the mean next week, and it's going to be those little five- and seven-yard dump passes and maybe a few shots downfield, but S.J. Green can't have that kind of game every day. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit more. Let's get right to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out Podcast. And wow, it is a busy week for sure. First off, of course, Jeffrey Orge stepping down as CFL Commissioner. Well, it looks like the replacement has been named. Former lineman in the league, Randy Ambrosi, has played for the Stampeders. He was actually drafted by the Stampeders in the 1985 CFL draft. He played at the University of Manitoba, ended up playing for the Argos and Eskimos. But he has 
quite the business background as well. He was the secretary of the CFL Players Association for a couple years, but then, yes, right into the business world. He's been the CEO or president for three different companies, and this is exactly what the league said they wanted. They wanted somebody uh, that has experience operating companies that uh, you know break in tons of money, about $100 million a year. So, they got what they wanted. It's a very smart guy, former player, knows the league. I'm sure they're going to have a press conference in the coming days to formally introduce him as the league's 14th commissioner. And here's another cool thing. The CFL and Twitter Canada have partnered up for a weekly live show every Wednesday at 3 o'clock Eastern time, I should say. The first episode was yesterday. And I will say this about the league. While attendance is struggling in Vancouver and Toronto, it's it's so well known. The digital presence of the CFL may be the best, I think, of probably any league on the planet. And maybe maybe not the digital presence, but the interaction is it's incredible. It's really cool for the fans. Yeah, the league, um, a lot of the, like, the vast majority of the players uh, are on there too, and you can mention them and talk to them. They will have conversations with you, and you chirp them; they'll chirp you right back. A lot of the, all the teams have their own. You can get your updates, practice stuff, videos. It's just one more way for the fans to interact with the rest of the league. And I'm sure you saw what Bo Levi Mitchell ended up uh, tweeting to that fan that chirped him last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody saw that one. <laughs> that is an absolute. Classic guy tweets him that seeing uh, Bo Levi lose is basically uh, the best thing ever. Well, Bo ends up replying and saying, uh, "Then you have a miserable yeah, life." Happened seven times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's his record now? It's it's incredible. All the guy does is win, except for last week he tied. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> there was, I guess, another supplemental draft. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers select receiver Drew Walatowski, Walatarski, sorry, in that draft to give up a 2018 third rounder next year. He's a former Minnesota Golden Gopher. There's a couple signings as well. Drew Willie signs in Montreal. So he's the backup to Darian Durant again. I guess throwback Thursday to back in the uh, Saskatchewan days, but. <laughs> is Drew done? No. His decision-making leaves something to be desired, but he's a serviceable quarterback in this league. It's not, I guess, a popular opinion, but I actually think he has what it takes to you know, be a good starting quarterback. But in it feels like so long ago when he was in Winnipeg and what were they, 5-0, and oh, the city was going crazy, it's Willie Peg and all this. And then all of a sudden... The Bomber offensive line, they opened the floodgates, and he got absolutely crushed. And it's like he's shell-shocked. He hasn't been the same since then. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's something happened. or Well, he got smashed in the face by defensive linemen every week. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. If you don't have a good old line, you're not going to have a good quarterback. It's much like hockey. You show me a good goaltender, I'll show you a good coach, right? Yeah. If you're not going to win the battle in the trenches, you're not going to win a lot of football games, and your quarterbacks are ultimately going to get hurt. So I think if it's just his decision-making and taking care of the ball, if he cleans that up, he'd be a starter on almost any team in the league. The Edmonton Eskimos make us make (laughs) at some point, even the Atlantic (laughs) schooners. I don't know if you saw that tweet. Uh, (laughs) The Eskimos signed Alex Hoffman Ellis, a linebacker who was actually with them last year. He ended up not, 
you know, uh, showing up. (laughs) There was a lot of hype for that signing, but he couldn't get much done with the Eskimos last year. But they're without J.C. Sherrod for the year with the ruptured Achilles. Hoffman Ellis did have a good about half season with B.C. a few years ago when uh, Solomon Elamimian went down with, yeah, uh, he also had the Achilles injury. So Hoffman Ellis stepped in. He had a good job there as well. He might, I don't know if he'll start this week against Montreal, but you want to watch out for that. We do have a retirement. Randy Chevrier retires as a Stampeder. I have to say, Chevy is probably the most popular long snapper of all time. Like, (laughs) can you name another long snapper? I know the riders. What's his name? Jorgen... or something like that, but he uh, he does all the crazy trick shots and stuff. But Chevy was a great guy, great in the community, great for the league. The only long snapper I can remember was off our high school football team. Oh, <laughs> hey, who did play high school uh, long snapper for the Lloydminster Barons back in two thousand six? Wasn't it Chapel? Ah, okay, okay. And then Ashley, Aaron Ashley was the holder, and then our buddy Kendall was the kicker, and he got ear holed. <laughs> Trying to run in a two-point convert. <laughs> I tried log snapping. I just couldn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's I, d- I didn't like playing offensive line because you basically, when you're doing pass protection, you let people hit you. I wasn't very good at yeah. that. <laughs> at letting people hit me. I like to do uh, defensive line. A few more transaction notes to get out of the way here. Ryan Phil- Phillips is actually going to be starting at corner for the Owls this week. That's going to be another different one. You see Darian Durant in Montreal colors, and now you see Ryan Phillips in Montreal colors. Longtime BC line. He hasn't started at corner since 2011. He'll be covering either Vidal Hazelton or Duke Williams. BC Lions, speaking of them, they end up cutting Shaq Murray Lawrence, and they've released the national offensive lineman Jeremy Zaver and offered him a spot on the PR, so we'll see if somebody else ends up picking him up. And this one is very interesting. Remember the Riders last year? They were getting mocked for all of those players retiring before they even put on the green and white. Well, Bruce Campbell's the offensive lineman that they traded for from Toronto, ended up retiring. Well, he comes out of retirement and joins the Riders. Suddenly, that team is a lot of depth at uh, offensive tackle. Thaddeus Coleman, Bruce Campbell, and, of course, Derek Dennis. Uh, man, that that's a solid offensive line they got going in Saskatchewan. Now let's talk about Liram Haralahu. He kicked his 100th field goal against the Tiger Cats on Sunday. But he wants the ball. It's a big thing. He doesn't have the ball. He's actually offering tickets and a game ball to anybody that comes forward with that 100 field goal ball for Haralahu. So tweet him, get him that ball, and he'll get hooked up with some Argos swag. Now, that took him long enough to get to 100, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. How, does he have more misses than field goals? We should look that up. Uh, he might have more. He might have more field goal posts. Yeah, he's pretty good at that. So is Chris Milo. Uh, (laughs) Now, I I feel like if we go exactly a year ago from now and we go a year ago from or a year forward from today, that we'll be talking about attendance in Vancouver and Toronto still. Uh, It was rough in Toronto. I guess just under 14,000 announced for the home opener against the Tiger Cats. And do you think, I don't think one game is going to bring more people out to the stands this Friday against the Lions, but what does it take? Because this team, judging by Sunday, 
Looks like they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, and people should really be in a BMO field watching this team. Well, first things first, that game was against Hamilton. So you had another two or 3,000 people that were from Hamilton that came to the game, but what's going to keep people coming is winning. Yeah. like that, That's it. They have to win. It has to be exciting football. That's the only way. Let's, let's face it, Toronto's not it, – it's a CFL market. It is a technically a CFL market, but it's not a CFL market. I don't think it's a football market, really. It. I can't, I can't say that because a lot of people do go to Bills games and there's a lot of NFL viewership. It's just the CFL is such a niche thing right now and the Argos have been so unstable except for 2012 when they won the Great Cup at home. But they've been so unstable and just so inconsistent, and they haven't had that prolonged winning season after season after season to keep like the casual fan coming back. And I think the move to BMO is huge. You, know, you have that tailgate option. Maybe you can get more casual fans that way. But if they keep winning, I don't see how it can't get any better. It did. I mean, they did paper the place in Toronto. It's considered a, a disaster, the uh, Bills in Toronto series, and I mean, <laughs> they've they've it's already also pretty, a terrible venue. Yeah, they've already pretty much given. It's a terrible place for football. The Rogers Center, BMO is great. Uh, at the Grey Cup last year, it was an incredible place to watch a game. Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs went to the game. He ended up tweeting that out. And Dirt Guy was there as well. Is this <laughs> that might be a little free advertising for the Argos. If they see, if people in Toronto see pl- people like this, Marner, Dirt Guy, I, I mean, who has the bigger fan base right now? Going to BMO Field for Argos games, maybe they'll see, hey, this is actually pretty cool. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Andrew of the Eskimo Empire podcast, and I basically said, you know what? Uh, Ricky Ray's not that exciting. He does his little dink and dunk seven or eight yard passes or whatever. But on Sunday, <laughs> 506 yard passes. Who would have thought he would have had a career high now at age 37? That looks like a team I'll be like. I'd rather watch that than just about any other form of entertainment. That was amazing. Yeah, and they were able to protect the quarter. He didn't take a lot of big hits. Yeah, and you know he can get get the he can still get the ball off in a reasonable amount of time, and he's still he's still as accurate as he's ever been. And now you've got those three receivers. That I mean, he had three guys go for over a hundred yards. Yeah, on Sunday. <laughs> And SJ Green had three catches that are already in the running for catch of the year. It's week one. Yeah, so SJ looks okay, right. breaking news. Uh, yeah, all oh, weird. <laughs> as for Vancouver, is it the same problems you find as Toronto, or is it a little bit different? I think it's a little different. I, it's hard to say. It's another big stadium there, and it's always going to look half empty unless it's a big to do like a great cup or maybe yeah. a West final. And everybody says how big of a joke the MLS is, but it's got a bigger fan base. It's more of an international sport. So, I mean, MLS goes and have better numbers in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver, I think, and just because of the international aspect. But, I mean, I, BC Place is, a, I don't think it's a bad place to watch a game, and the team is exciting. And they've got, two of the most exciting players in the league, I think, in Jennings and Jeremiah Johnson. So I don't know why people aren't going. I don't know if it's a price point thing or if it's a marketing thing or if it's just 
there's only so much money to go around for entertainment. Bach in Vancouver is such a big center. Well, yeah, $5 tickets for kids all summer long. So, man, get yeah. the kids out to the games in uh BC and go get them out in Toronto as well. I will say this about Toronto. It did sound like they had a hell of an atmosphere because the cameras were on the same side as the sidelines and the fans. It looked like there was more people in the shade, but they were loud. They were making a lot of noise. So good for Toronto. Those fans that do go, they do make a lot of noise. Now, a year ago, we were talking about this. I bet a year from now, we'll be talking about this too. Reviews. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first one of the week was uh, that Rough Rider touchdown that Bakari Grant, I, I think it was fumbled. Grant, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Bakari Grant. They said it wasn't a fumble. Montreal ends up recovering it in the end zone. So it would have been big if that <laughs> ended up uh, deciding the outcome of the game. But, man, uh, the explanations that they come out with basically say that while the ball moved, he still had possession of it. Now, is there a difference between having possession and ha- and being in control of the ball? Because it sure didn't look like he was in control. I I, I, I don't get it. It doesn't um, make sense. <laughs> the only the only thing I can tell you is Glenn Sears on TSN today, and uh, he talked to the Glenn Johnson, the director of officiating now. Yeah, yeah. Um. They don't want to officiate the game from the control center. Right. They, they look at it, and they realize that, yeah, they have the super slow modes, but it's taking a minute to a minute 30. Like, okay, the call is obviously so close. You know, we we only really want to use this for egregious mistakes. You know what? The call in the field's got to stand. We don't want to start micromanaging, you know, this. But at the same time, then why have it? If we're not going to get the call right. What are we doing? Because I, I will say that these week one games had a lot better flow than week one last year. There was a lot less pass interference, inter- illegal contact calls. I think that's what people had a lot of issues with last year. But then in Calgary, there was the uh, that that fumble there where Kamar Jordan. Yeah, that to me that was a clear fumble. But then in yeah. Edmonton, the review center actually got something right because Duke Williams makes a catch and they called it incomplete and then <laughs> they review it and it and the, those are the ones maybe that they do need to fix but I think you have to go all the way or have nothing at all it's it, I, I liken it to the NFL where we still don't know what a catch is it seems from week to week that changes yeah it does so now now in the CFL it's come down to what is control versus possession yeah. <laughs> if I if I catch the ball and I'm juggling it as I fall, do I still have to throw the ball? If I'm juggling with my hands, if it's moving around, like no, I obviously don't have control. So it's obviously a fumble if I'm not down yet. Right. But that being said, if it's still in my arms and juggling around when I hit the ground, am I down with it? Or and if it pops out, is it is it a, am I down or is that a fumble now? So now now there's too much gray area. Nobody knows what the heck is going on. <laughs> so I... that, they just need to clean up the rule and the wording. And I think it'll just take care of itself. I do think it adds some drama. <laughs> it's like you know when the when the heel wrestler knocks out the ref and you know ends up tapping out to a submission and there's no ref. Damn you, ref! But he's knocked <laughs> out. You can't blame him. So <laughs> I, I I think I think football could use a lot more crooked refs. To be honest, 
Uh, <laughs> as for or just Vince McMahon, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Canada one fifty this weekend. Hank Burris will be in London, England, with the Grey Cup for the Canada one fifty celebrations they are having having there. So that is awesome. But the league is also doing a lot to mark Canada one fifty uh, celebrations on this side of the pond. Did you see the new ref jerseys that they're wearing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? You don't want one? Well, yeah, I want one. <laughs> but I, why have we got to spend money on stuff like this? <laughs> don't get it. BC is on the road this week. Correct? Yeah. They wear orange pants, correct? Yes. Some white jerseys? With very little black, and their secondary color is orange on those jerseys, correct? Yep. Oh, yeah, this should be easy. (laughs) Those are going to look (laughs) god-awful. They're also making a change to the ball. Uh, Red laces, they got the Canada CFL 150 logo on there, and they're actually celebrating uh, a lot of famous Canadians around the league. I thought there were some interesting choices here. They're celebrating pinball in Toronto. Obviously, I think he was born in Florida. But now he's, he's a Canadian. Naturalized, so. Yeah, now he's a Canadian he citizen. So I do yeah. get it. I, I bet you you want that BC Lions Louis Pasaglia shirt they're going to be wearing. <laughs> I might buy I might buy a couple. <laughs> and then Saskatchewan the Saskatchewan is celebrating George Reed. Uh he was not born in Canada either, but uh, I think maybe with the health issues he's been having, uh, he, he's doing well in the hospital right now. Maybe that's why they kind of chose George. I, I thought they should have went with maybe like Roger Aldag. Uh, Gold Lake, Saskatchewan won that great cup with the Riders in 89, but I don't think you can really go wrong with the, the legend George Reed, but there's some great names. Rocky DiPietro and Hamilton. I, I thought Ottawa should have went with Russ Jackson, but uh, I mean, Normie, That's who I went with. Yeah, Normie Kwong, Don Getty in Edmonton, Chris Walby in Winnipeg, Doug Brown. There's some really great names that are going to be celebrated for Canada 150. And I think, I don't know if you watched the Around the Table with Rod Smith with the players. Uh, uh, I saw bits and pieces. I haven't watched it fully yet. Yeah, it is on TSN On Demand on their website, but it was Rod Smith, uh, Manny Arsenault, Bo Levi Mitchell, and uh, Mike Riley. Mike Riley. Yes, and uh, Bo actually said when he came up to Canada, he never knew how much history this league had, that he never would have thought there would have been more Grey Cups than Super Bowls, and I think it's time that we start celebrating that history as Canadians a little bit because this is our only purely Canadian league we have. And I don't know, Toronto and Vancouver, be proud of it. Go watch your team. This is purely Canadian league. And I think embracing its history is going to be a good start for those teams. Oh, for sure. And uh, maybe that sparked something in the older fan base that has somewhat stopped going to games and maybe doesn't follow as much as it used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, bring back some good old memories, you know, winning great cups in those cities. And maybe they start going to games and inevitably maybe bring you know, their kids or grandkids with them and maybe they make new fans that way. It's a jumping off point for sure for the league to try to get 
more butts in the seats because let's be honest, it's a gate-driven league. They they only have one TV one TV deal, you know, one station. So that money is fixed. So you got to make money at the gate, and the only way to do that is you know get fans interested. And whether or not that's an on-field product or something like these 150 celebrations, it just it needs to be fully embraced by the league and all the teams, and it looks like it has been. So I think nothing but good can come from it. All right, Brazilian Ty, you ready to talk fantasy? Oh, I had a terrible week, but okay. <laughs> I did too, man. I won $3. Oh, I had to throw in the Eldo over there. I won myself a toonie, a whole toonie, and it wasn't even a glow-in-the-dark toonie. Oh, what's the point? <laughs> Have you seen a glow-in-the-dark toonie yet? No, I'm usually not paying with change at that point in the night when it's dark <laughs> enough to see it. I bet you our U.S. listeners are saying, what the hell is a toonie? <laughs> well, it's a $2 coin that usually has a polar bear, but now they have the northern lights and they glow in the dark. But I have not seen one yet, so I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, let's talk about the games from last week. I guess we started on Thursday. Montreal beats Saskatchewan 17-16. Uh, a low-scoring game, but it wasn't, you know... Uh, a boring affair with, you know, 50 flags running left and right. I thought it was just a well-played defensive battle. Uh, I wouldn't call it a defensive battle. I think the offenses were a little inept. I guess that's true. It is week one. They're not the best offenses in the league either. I'll admit that. But at the same time, we saw a vastly improved offensive line for Saskatchewan. Um, Darian Durant showed that he still has he's not exactly the mediocre guy maybe he didn't play the best this weekend but uh, he's not the mediocre guy because Sean said he was he's still able to eco to win he win as a team um, it was sloppy at times but I mean that's to be expected this early in the season it was just nice to see um, the Riders actually able to manufacture a drive late in the game although it didn't turn out exactly the way we had all hoped but you know, maybe Kevin Glenn is the answer if they can keep him healthy with this offensive line. I think that might be a reality. Uh, Deron Carter had a tough game. A couple bad drops. Two catches, 12 yards. Better things are coming for him in the future. It was a really nice game from Nick Dembski. So if you picked him, you got some nice value. Now, he played in the game because uh, Rob Begg was on the injured list. He might play... This week, either way, Nick Dembski will still be on the roster and he'll be returning kicks this week because Ricky Collins, he's out for a month with a shoulder injury. And I will never forget when Dembski returned that punt Labor Day against Winnipeg a few years ago. Weren't the Riders like 0-9 at that point or something? Uh, as long as we uh, win Labor Winnipeg Day. Winnipeg was 9-0, were they not? Yeah, so as long as... As long as the Riders win on Labor Day, it's good. Last year, they did not win on Labor Day, and it was not good. But uh, Nick Dembski was the hero that day. Maybe maybe he can break a big one this Canada Day against uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I guess we can move on to uh, the, the Calgary-Ottawa game, which, wow, had a lot in it. Uh, I mean, Ottawa was up. And it looked like they were going to, I guess, walk all over 
uh, Calgary. They were up two touchdowns, and then Brandon Gillanders ends up fumbling the ball, and I would say that was the TSN turning point in the game. Yeah, hands down. You take care of the football there, you probably are able to not necessarily run out the clock, but at least run it down enough to where Calgary doesn't have a chance to come back down the field. But I guess that's why we play the games. We don't play them on paper. They're played by little men on our TV screens. <laughs> so, obviously, these teams are still evenly matched. I don't know. They tied last year. They went to overtime in the Grey Cup. I don't know what the sequel is going to be uh, this weekend, but I'm definitely excited to watch it. William Powell was playing well. He got a score, but then he ended up kind of rolling his ankle, and he's questionable this week. All signs pointing to Moses Madu getting the start, so watch out for that. Calgary ended up suffering some injuries as well. Devaris Daniels won't be playing this week. Roy Finch has been suspended for two games, so watch out for those guys. Terry Williams will be on returns for Calgary, and Markin Mitchell may be playing for uh, Calgary, getting a bump with Devaris Daniels out. But, uh, man, Markway McDaniel had himself... Uh, a, a great game. I think he's one of those steady guys in the league. He's got kind of a high floor. He's not going to you know, walk out and kill you. He's not going to get one catch for two yards, but 10 for 114, that's a nice day from the veteran. 11.4 yards. You're looking at every time he touches the ball, a first down on average, which only helps Bo Levi Mitchell, and of course his O-line is still as good as it was last year, so he's going to stay upright. Um, and when you get a guy that Catches almost everything that's thrown at him. That's not a bad thing to have. No, it <laughs> it definitely is not. Kamar Jordan goes five for seventy-two. He got the touchdown. I'm wondering if he's going to see a little bit more action uh, this week with no Devaris Daniels. So uh, I, I think I might roll with him on a roster. As for Ottawa, man, we put together the uh, stat sheet here, and Joshua Stangby. Actually, he's near the top of the league in touches because he was returning, catching. He, he had an all-around awesome game. Yeah, and it's one of those. It's That's the CFL, right? It's going to be somebody that seems on every team. They come out of nowhere. Nobody really knows about him. Nobody knows what he's going to be able to do. And he's able to break up his game. Whether or not he keeps doing that, who knows. He touched the ball 13 times in that game. Is he going to get that same amount of touches? Well, if he keeps getting the yards, he did probably, or you would hope. But if the defenses are able to adapt, the coaches are so good in this league that at some point he will be shut down. But you just don't know when that's going to come. And that's why the big—it's a big loss for Roy Finch and the or, and the Calgary Stampeders here. He had 168 yards last week, missed field goal, punt returns, kick returns. He's one of the most dynamic players in the league. I know Dave Dickinson has said that hey, maybe they will get a Roy Finch a little bit more involved in the offense this year, and that cannot be a bad thing. This guy is an explosive player, but other than that. For Ottawa, I mean, Ellingson doing his thing, uh, Sinopoli doing his thing, and they haven't really slowed down. I am interested to see here if Trevor Harris can... I think everybody's interested to see. Trevor Harris has started seasons very hot. When he played 
and started for Toronto a few years back when Ricky Ray was out. He had a dynamite start to the season. As the season went on, he kind of tailed off. Last year, same thing. Hank gets hurt. Uh, Harris comes in, is explosive. They are crushing everyone in the league. Tailed off. Hank got the job back and ended up winning the Grey Cup. So the rest is history. Is he going to get over that hump and keep chucking for 300 yards and three touchdowns every week? There's no evidence to state that he will. As soon as we get to week nine or week ten, yeah. it starts to drop off, not considerably right away, but it does gradually go down as the season goes on. I don't know if he's getting tired or if it's a return to the mean. If, uh, if he is just better early in the year, you know, everybody's fresh, and then as the year goes on, people figure out how to shut down that offense. I don't know. But it just seems every time that we get late in the year, he turns into Kevin Glenn and throws that pick that nobody wants to see. Yeah, we go to Saturday <laughs> night football. 26 points between these two teams on uh, in the fourth quarter, actually. Edmonton beats BC 30-27. to Now, we need to look at this here. I thought I was brilliant by taking a Darius Bowman and Manny Arsenault in my DraftKings lineup. <laughs> a combined five catches for 33 yards. Who saw that coming between the Manny show and a Darius? The only way I could see that happening is if a Darius returned to the old Bowman and caught, caught the dropsies again. But they just weren't throwing to him. But... And that's another thing, too. Now that they now don't have Darrell Walker, why wouldn't you double Bowman every chance you get or run a bracket on him? But now with Duke Williams having that big game and you no know, Brandon Zilstra is up there with 152 yards, um, maybe that might take a little bit of pressure off Bowman. And that's what I'm wondering about what happens for this week. Ronnie Yell was, I guess, covering uh, Darius Bowman for most of the game. And... <laughs> Shut him down. I mean, two catches for 13 yards. Darius usually does that uh, on the first drive. <laughs> Never mind yeah. an entire game. So is Yell going to be working on SJ Green this week? As uh, the no, yeah, as the Lions do take on the Argos, giving maybe some of those other secondary receivers in Toronto a chance. Because actually, Jeff Fuller and Posey they made some. Uh, Bad drops that would have made Ricky Ray's day even better, but maybe there is more opportunities for those guys. Either way, I was really surprised by Edmonton's defense, actually. I I thought that BC would come out and just light them up. And while they did get 27 points, they didn't really light them up at all. They didn't have a 100-yard uh, receiver. Nick Moore goes 5 for 98, but I mean, anytime you can shut down the Manny show, you've done okay. Well, you look, you look at it, though, they still allowed 554 yards, which is quite a bit. They did. <laughs> um, but only, you're only allowing 264 to the air, which that's when you have Jennings and Arsenal and Ian Uzi and Nick Moore, that's not bad. That, that's a really good week for your defense if that's all you're allowing to the air against those guys. Now, I. Corey Greenwood lost. J.C. Sherritt lost for the season. Tornes ACL for the Eskimos. Of course, they bring Alex Hoffman Ellison. Adam Konar had himself a good game when it comes to rushing the quarterback. 
against the run, the Eskimos really struggled. Is I don't know about you. I like rolling with Tyrell Sutton against that rush defense at the moment, even though they do have a, a nice defensive line. Yeah. Um, Montreal's O-line, like, I don't know what it is. It just seems that they're made up of a bunch of people that nobody's heard of. <laughs> right but now, they the yeah. Job, they get the job done. And, um, Edmonton having J.C. Sherrod out now and Hoffman Ellis coming back, that's great. How how uh, efficient or how well is Hoffman-Ellis going to know this playbook? I know he was there last year, but it seems like that second level now, that, that linebacker, that's going to be a little thin. So if Sutton can get through that defensive line, he might be able to go off for some big yards after first after the line of scrimmage. So I got him uh, rolling on uh, a lot of my lineups this week. Other, other than that, you have to think better days are coming for Jonathan Jennings. No touchdowns. I I don't know. Do you think the Argos can have a repeat performance of what they did last week against Jay Jennings? I think it's a possibility. Um, If you look at it, BC basically plays four home games to start the year. Granted, their first game was at home, but then they're on the road. Road games, you mean, yeah. And then Hamilton. So your home opener is basically just, you know, it's the blip. You're, You're basically on the road. You're coming home from camp, play a game, and then you're flying out this weekend. So they're going to be tired. You know, you're losing three hours. Um, I I don't know. If it's that's going to be a tough game for BC and Toronto will be home again and fresh and ready to go. And there's a distinct possibility that they're able to shut them down. It'll be interesting to see if Wally keeps the team out east because this is a nasty road trip for the team. We'll talk about it in uh, the picks. Let's talk about that Argos team more in detail here. They beat the Tiger Cats 32-15, but the defense didn't give up a single touchdown. Ricky Ray, the balls that he was throwing to uh to Green, to Posey, to Fuller, to Edwards, they were some of the best throws, the best accuracy I have seen from him in years. He looked like he was a 29-year-old guy again. It was it was 2005. It was it was that Grey Cup year, is what it felt like. They go here we go again. More Ricky Ray, just marching down the field, scoring points, throwing to every once and every throws. Who's going to catch it? You know what? That's what that's exactly what Toronto needs this year. If they want to have an exciting football team, they want to get fans out there. He needs to keep playing like that. And I think with the receivers he has and um, Mark Tressman there now, I I don't he is. 37 years old. I don't think he keeps up at 500 yards a game. But if he can chip away and get between 3 and 350, they're going to win a lot of football games. 32 of 41. 78% completion. Now, the only, I guess, worry I have for Toronto here is they couldn't run it. They could, and maybe that's a testament to Hamilton's front seven, but Brandon Whitaker gets nine carries for 21 yards. They could not get the ball moving on the ground. But I mean, why do you have to when uh, Ricky Ray is playing the way he was that that game? I think Hamilton's on by this week. Maybe if they're still not healthy when they're back, this is a team you might want to roll quarterbacks against because uh, Abdul Kane was not playing. Emmanuel Davis was not playing. There's half your secondary, and they're all stars. And Ricky Ray was able to really tear him apart because of that. 
Well, Ricky Ray is an all-star too. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah. If if you have the opportunity to stack stack a quarterback and a receiver against the Tie Cats, it might not be a bad decision. Now, uh, Terrence Tolliver out for the year, torn ACL for the Tiger Cats. All he had was one catch for five yards. I'm interested to see if they get Brandon Banks involved more in the offense here, but I know a lot of people rolled with Brian Timms. He had five catches for 19. Luke Tasker, seven for 77. But the offensive line for Hamilton, ah, man, I think they struggled a bit. Caleros gets 242 yards and an interception. Will we ever see the Zach Caleros of a few years ago when that team was basically unbeatable at the donut box? I I don't think so. I think it's – I liken it to Travis Lule. You know, you can only get hurt so much before it becomes an issue, and now that that O-line has lost Dijakowski, um, it was really an anchor on that team. Uh, now you've got a big hole to fill, and like I said before, if you don't have an O-line, the quarterback's not going to be upright, and if he's not upright, you're not going to win football games, and you can only get – banged around so much, and Jeremiah Matholi is a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it, um, in my eyes anyway. But, yeah, but I, I just think he's too beat up now um, that during the course of a game, the more and more hits he takes, us, it's going to get uglier and uglier as the season goes on. I guess their special teams is a uh, bright spot. They blocked two kicks. Uh, from Haralahu. Yeah. One of them was a touchdown, their only touchdown of the game. So now it's uh, Ken Austin back to the drawing board. Can the Tiger Cats uh, break through that hump? And Because if you look at it, this team was one play from winning the 2014 Grey Cup. In 2013, the Riders' home field advantage, I'm pretty sure they could have beaten the 85 Chicago Bears uh, <laughs> on on that day, everything was in Saskatchewan's side. And then the next mm-hmm. year, Ottawa gets, you know, the catch. Greg Ellingson breaks mm-hmm. yeah. that huge play. So they were basically two plays from, you know, being in and winning a Grey Cup. And I, I don't know if their window has closed. And, I again, I don't want to overreact to week one, but... The Argos, it was pure domination, and it could have been a lot worse than 32-15. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Will Hill blocking two kicks in the first half uh, really, I wouldn't say turned the game around, but made it a game. Um, you know, Toronto scores those six points, and then all of a sudden it's 18 to nothing. while Hamilton only scored 15 points the rest of the way, so... I mean, you look at it that way. If they if they do kick those field goals, Hamilton, you know, gets the ball to thirty five and does whatever. But I mean, those two kept him in the game. You know, made it a game for a bit until Ricky Ray just said, "No, nah, forget it. I'll just take over now." And there were the two drop passes as well in the end zone. Yeah. So <laughs> it could have been a lot uglier for the Tiger Cats. And it's back to the drawing board for them this week. Are you ready to make your picks? How'd you do last week? Can we not talk about last week? <laughs> Only I got, forward. I got, I got one under. <laughs> I got all the spreads wrong. Should have picked a tie. Well, 
There is no tie on the spread when it's oh. half a point. Man, if you had a sports select, what would it pay if you picked three ties for the first three games? That would have been big money, man. Oh, that's a great question. There's got to be somebody out there that did that. If if so, we'll welcome you on as a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, if I would if I would have bet five bucks on three ties, yeah, would have been like four hundred fifty five dollars. Five bucks? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's make our picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right, I I went 2-1-1, so I'm not that upset. I thought I had a pretty good week. I don't think I would have predicted Edmonton to beat BC anyway, so I'm fine with losing that. Let's uh, talk about game one here. It is Ottawa at Calgary. Ottawa, eight-point underdogs. The over-under set at 55-and-a-half. Where are you going here? I'm going to take Ottawa to cover, but Calgary wins the game. Okay. So Calgary wins by less than eight. Yes. How many points? Uh, five. Okay, okay. How many do they score together? I'm taking the under. I got the under at 59. It changed today. Yep. Um, but I, I bet on it yesterday it dropped down to 55 and a half. Nice. I got it at 59. I'm taking the under, and Ottawa covers. Okay, I, I'm picking. Calgary wins. I'm picking Calgary to win, too. Here's a band called Stairwell. I think this is the most intriguing game of the week. BC is in Toronto. I know it's week two, but with this nasty road trip on the way for the Lions, it's almost a must-win situation already for the Lions and the Argos, well, we'll see if they uh, prove that last week was not a fluke. One and a half point underdogs are the Lions. The over under is now set at fifty one. Where are you going, Brazil? I'm going under. I got it at fifty five and a half yesterday, and I'm going to take Toronto to cover. Um, you know, three points to the home team. So I'm going to take the Argos on Pickham and the spread and the under. All right. Tell me you didn't jam to Martha and the Muffins. I I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? Well, you told me to tell you I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. But now tell <laughs> me the truth. Tell me the truth. <laughs> did you jam? Oh, I might have done a little shoulder <laughs> shimmy. It might have been the Tyrell that I did at John and Lacey's wedding. <laughs> I I think the Lions have to win. And I think that they come out firing in all, all cylinders. They should anyway. They really should. So uh, I'm going to go with Wally and the boys. Here's Pack AD. I went home that evening, and the blues that follow me all night long. I went home in the evening, and the blues that follow me into my room, into my sheets, scattered into my dreams. Well, I'm going to give these blues in sleep and yeah, that's awesome stuff. Now, Edmonton, their home opener against the Montreal Alouettes. 
Uh, is this a jersey full paw if I put an Alouettes logo over my Ryder logo and my Durant jersey? It's 50-50 after the two great cups we had in 09 it's and 10. It's a little disturbing. <laughs> but, but it is a Durant jersey, so I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if I'll get punched in the head if I do it. Uh, well, I won't be there to jump on the guy, so you're going to be on your own. Hopefully Taylor's got your back. I would not want to fight my wife, man. I would not. <laughs> she, she will kick my ass. Uh, <laughs> Montreal, eight-and-a-half-point underdogs here. I found that pretty big, actually. Uh, the over-under set at 49. What's happening here? It's going to hit the over. I got it at 51-and-a-half, and I'm still taking the over. Edmonton wins early in the year at home. Montreal loses early on the road in the year. Edmonton, pro- I'm going to say by 10. I'm taking Edmonton as well, and I'm going to roll with their defense as well. I, They really were awesome last week against the Lions, and I think they can do it again against the Owls. Uh, as far as the rush defense, I'm not so sure about that, but that eats up clock. It's not big plays. It's not... Uh, flashy. I think Edmund, or Montreal can pound the ball a little bit. I still think Edmonton wins. It's just Tupelo honey. those guys crush it we move on to canada day the riders open up new mosaic stadium where the 50 50 is going to start at one hundred thousand dollars if i can give you a piece of advice there was the big 50 50 bowl in edmonton a few years ago get your tickets early do not wait because everybody's going to be going for those 50 50s uh tickets the winnipeg blue bombers are in town the riders one point underdogs right now 49 and a half points is where the over-under is. Where are you going? Saskatchewan. I, I honestly think Saskatchewan is going to win outright. Seriously, when the is the last time that you've picked the Riders on Pick'em? It's had to be a good two years. <laughs> yeah, I, the last time I remember betting on them was a 2013 Grey Cup. That's the last time. Yeah, and then I won all that money playing blackjack online and then lost it all on the way home. Oh. <laughs> Brutal. I actually think the Riders win here, too. Uh, the, last, the last three years, they, they have won early. Granted, not the last two, a lot of these wins came three years ago. Um, <laughs> Winnipeg, Winnipeg allows a lot of points on the road early in the year. Um, and Saskatchewan scores a lot. They're about even, um, I think, just opening a new stadium and having having nation behind them there to start the year. I think it's going to be, it should be a really explosive offense, I'm hoping. And, you know, it'll still be a tight game, but uh, I think it'll still be really high scoring. Winnipeg didn't have a good pass defense last uh, year. Uh, they, well, I mean, they had a lot of turnovers, but they gave up a ton of yards. I think uh, Deron Carter has himself a big game after last week's downer, and uh, I'm rolling with him in a lot of lineups. I know these guys aren't from Saskatchewan, but I'm picking Riders, too. It's Captain Tractor, the last Saskatchewan Pirate. Swinging sodas, gun and bones, and pleasant company. I never pay my income taxes through the GST. Screw it! Down to Saskatoon, the terror of the sea. If you're wondering. 
lights to cool up, boy, you, you gotta, gotta get, get by me. By me. <laughs> Oh, Regina's Mighty Shores. <laughs> it's going to be a, a great week of football, man. Uh, and um, not only that, it is Saturday, so it's just going to add extra, an extra little bit of fun for the weekend. Uh, hopefully we get to see some old legends on at the games and in the stands, and you know, that's always fun for the fans, too. Absolutely. Now, this is the this is the part where I used to ask John if he'll be here next week. Uh, I am on holidays. Uh, <laughs> I will be deep in the woods in Jasper, Alberta. I, They're going to think you're a bear. <laughs> I don't know if there will be a show next week. What is the betting line on that Brazilian tie? Where's, where's sportsinteraction.com on uh, the line if there will be two and out next week? Oh, I think it's set pretty low. <laughs> so the, let's be honest. If you're going to be on holidays and John and I are going to be at his in-laws for a long weekend, not a lot of football is going to be talked about next week. So the big money is at bet... The bet. under the under point five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's, that would be the betting favorite. <laughs> that sucks, man. But maybe you hear from Fraser and Croker. We'll see what happens. Uh we have partnered up with Seat Giant, so if you need any week two tickets, grab them, seatgiant.ca. All the seats are in Canadian dollars, and if you use the promo code POUTINE, you'll get yourself a bit of a discount, and, well, you get to type POUTINE into a promo code box, so it seems like a win-win to me. Been there. <laughs> but you're not a POUTINE guy! No, but, I mean, a promo code is a promo code. <laughs> Awesome, buddy. Uh, thanks for uh, filling in this week and being reliable. Well, if uh, you meet me again next week, oh, wait, you're not going to be here next week. So now who's not reliable? <laughs> hey, once a year I go on holidays during the CFL season that I you tell... Like Buck Martinez taking his holidays during the J season. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, that I tell you guys a month in advance... And you need me to wipe your ass and tie your shoes that get to and out done. So, uh, well, this is the first time I've heard of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will talk to you next week. I hope. Like, follow on Twitter and Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It's Doing Out CFL Podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.